Amen. Thank you for that choir. That's a beautiful arrangement of just a wonderful hymn. So we appreciate the, that offering of worship this morning from our choir. I invite you to once again stand as you are able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson. Our gospel lesson will come this morning from John chapter 15, uh, verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you that my joy may be complete in you, and your joy in that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today's the fifth Sunday. You know, fifth Sundays in the life of most churches are always a little different. You know, they're usually, sometimes you'll have different events and different things. I, I have friends of mine in ministry who are serving um, what we call in our denomination charges, which are multiple churches put together. I had one friend of mine who, when he first started out preaching, he had five churches. So he would go to two once a week. So first Sunday of the month, it was these two. Second Sunday, these two. Then third, he'd go back to the first Sunday and so on and so forth. Fifth Sunday, nobody had church. I'm like, will they pay you? I mean, you know, so fifth Sundays are weird. Growing up at Johnson Chapel, where I grew up, our fifth Sundays were this. Sunday mornings looked normal, but Sunday night, we had hymn sings. And I loved a good hymn sing growing up. Our Sunday night services on fifth Sundays had two things that were different. First, we did the hymn sing. Which, and when we did that, we took up the, the hardback Methodist hymnal and put out a paperback spiritual life songs. You all remember that little, little hymnal? The old spiritual life hymns. If you ever go to a camp meeting, you're going to see that, that hymnal out there. And that's the old gospel songs that we would uh, that we would sing from, you know, uh, songs that, that uh, love lifted me, you know, those, those songs. And they would, they would do requests, so we'd pick out your favorite hymn. And so we being bad in the back, we would sit in the back, and we would always try to pick out a hymn that was hard to sing. And so I used to always request Awakening Chorus. And I love Awakening Chorus. If you know Awakening Chorus, you know that song? That, song, that song's got a lot going on. You know anything about Awakening Chorus? And so, but it was always fun because it was one of those songs where the men would sing this part, the women would sing this part. And it was, I grew up in a singing church. Johnson Chapel loved to sing. So it was always such fun to, um, to sing these old hymns. It was just such a great time together. That was one thing we did on Fifth Sundays. The other thing we did on Fifth Sundays, we had testimonies. We had testimonies. I grew up in a church that had, that believed in testimony services. So every fifth Sunday, we would have a testimony service. And for those who don't, don't, don't know what a testimony service is, it's basically Christian open mic. There's a mic up there, and you get to come up and tell folks what God is doing in your life. You give testimony to what God has done. 
And so most of us, when we think of testimonies, we think of the story of when God saved us. We think of our conversion story. We think of when we got saved. If you're, if you're following along in our daily rooted in Christ that we sing out each morning, you know that right now we're going through the book of Acts. And if you read the book of Acts, you're going to see Paul's testimony several times. Paul is going to tell his testimony several times throughout the book of Acts. It's a common refrain when Paul tells what God, how God saved him, what God done. And so I've heard a lot of testimonies in my life. One of my, one of my uh, uh, um, preacher, uh, the wife, preacher's wife would say, though, your testimony is not just what God has done for you. Your testimony is what God's doing for you. So your testimony should not just be a backward-looking thing, but a testimony should be a present-looking thing about what God's doing now. But having heard a lot of testimonies, there are always two things that I never really liked about testimonies when they were done. One of them is this. And you've heard this before. I've done it before. It's when you tell the story of when you got saved. And, you know, I've heard this before. People would say, you know, back before I met Jesus, I did this, I did that, I did this. And then I got saved. You know, they make, when you do that, it makes the non-Christian life look more appealing than the Christian life. I had all this fun, and then I got saved, and now life's terrible. No, it's the other way around. Life doesn't begin till you meet Jesus. That's when life begins. That's when you know joy and peace and love and grace and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's where our spiritual life begins. So if we give our testimony, let us never give a testimony when my life was so much fun and then I had to go and get saved. No, life begins at conversion. That's one thing. But the second thing kind of leads into our text this morning. How many testimonies have you heard? And I've kind of even said it now. How many testimonies have you heard well, I found God. I was doing this and I was doing that, and then I found God. I found God. You know, I, I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I did it. I got saved. I found Jesus. I got saved. That, by the way, that, that's true. But let's look at what the Scripture says this morning. What did Jesus say in John's Gospel? Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. It isn't so much that we find God. It's more that God finds us. We are not pursuing God in the same way God is the one pursuing us. As a matter of fact, and this is one of the things I think we struggle with as Christians. How many of you have ever felt the compulsion, I need to read the Bible more, or I need to go to church more, or I need to give more, I need to do these things more. And then what happens, because we're human, we don't do it right. Oh, this is the year I'm going to read through the Bible, and I'm finally going to get to Song of Songs, Alan's favorite reading with the flock of goats and the hair and all that. And we start out with good intentions, and then we hit Leviticus, and then we're done. And then we feel bad about it. Well, I must not be a good enough Christian. We beat ourselves up for what we haven't done. When the reality is, 
If there's anything in you that desires to know God, that desire was put there by God himself. So don't beat yourself up when you don't do it perfectly. Rejoice that God is pursuing you and that God desires to be in relationship with you. So it's not just, it's not that, it's not that we are finding God. It's not that we are doing, it's that God, God is pursuing us. God is after us. God has chosen us. God desires to be in relation with us. It's not that God is doing it, not that we are doing it. It's that God is doing it, as we heard this morning in our Romans reading. If God is for us, who can be against us? For in God, we're more than conquerors. If God is for us, who can be against us? It's not just that God pursues us. It's not that just that God has called us. It's not just that God has chosen us, but that God is for us. God is for you. God loves you. God is not out to get you. I have spent so much time in my life believing that God was out to get me. As I've told you before, when I was younger, my image of God was that he was a really old man in heaven with a really long white beard. He was very angry, and he did not like me because I had given him ample reasons not to like me. So my image of God for most of my life was this. God, he wasn't a big fan of mine. He didn't really like me because I'd done so much wrong. God to me was that old man in heaven with a white beard with a lightning bolt ready to zap me when I messed up. So when something bad happened, well, God's out to get me. Or something went wrong, well, God's out to get me. And everything in my life was about God being out to get me because of all the mistakes I'd made and all the sins I committed that God was not a fan of mine. But when you look at that image of an old man in heaven with a white beard and a lightning bolt, who does that actually sound like? Not scripture, not the scriptural account of God, but it sounds more like Zeus, doesn't it? It doesn't sound like the God of the Bible because what does today tell us in John? That he has chosen you. He is for you and that nothing can separate you from God's love in Christ Jesus. Not height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor anything in creation can separate you from God's love. God is not out to get you. God loves you. Okay? We got to drill that into our heads. God loves us. He loves us. If he didn't, why would he have sent Jesus? And that's awesome. And we love that part. But here's the bad part. The part I don't like. If he's for me, he loves me. I mean, he loves you too. And that means I got to love you. And I don't always want to do that. Right? Amen? Because if God is our Father, that makes those of us who believe brothers and sisters, right? And nobody loves like brothers and sisters, right? Nobody loves like family. Nobody fights like family. You don't believe me? 
If you're like my family, at some time in your life, somebody's fought over who's getting mama's land. Amen? Nobody loves like family. Nobody fights like family. But God has said, but we know, we've seen scripturally this morning that God is for me, that God is for us, and that God loves us, and that he has chosen us. He has called us. Now, we don't want to chase the rabbits of predestination. We can talk about that a long time. Basically, we believe that God has chosen all of us to be offered Christ Jesus, and then it's up to us to choose or to reject. But if we have chosen to accept Jesus, as our sister Polly has this morning, then we're brothers and sisters. We're family. And that means if God has, has called us, God has chosen us, God has appointed us, and God loves us, that means we have got to love one another. And that can be hard sometimes, y'all. Because people are people. And I don't want to do it. As one of our old mentors, Dr. Bryson, used to always say, Jesus isn't hard to understand. Jesus is just hard to follow. Loving your enemies is not complicated. I just don't want to do it. But we see here we're called to because God loves me. That, mean God, that means God loves you, which means I have got to love you. Even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when it's difficult, even when emotions are frayed, even when words are said, even when pressure comes, even when all these things he has shown us today, I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Not if it's easy. Not if it's simple. Not if it even makes sense. Y'all, I don't mind loving the folks I love. It's loving the folks I don't love. That's the hard part. But he doesn't give us that out, does he? I have chosen you. He has chosen us in this time and in this place, in this moment with each other. And this is the last of our relationship roadmap series. We talk about all these folk we got to love. Husbands and wives and kids and neighbors and co-workers and all these folk. But today we're told this. This is the commandment I give you, that we, we, chosen by God, we called by God, we saved by the God who chases after us, we who we know who God is for, we are called today to love one another. Full stop. No excuses, no matter what. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And if God has loved us and nothing can separate us from God's love, nothing, then nothing can separate us from our love. We had a baptism. And normally in place of a baptism, we do a creed. So on baptism days, we do baptism. On non-baptism days, we do the creed. Because the baptism and the creed are tied to each other. They're, they're intricately linked. And part of the creed is we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Catholic with little c, not with a big c, little c, meaning universal. 
We believe in a church that's made up of this church and other churches, other Methodist churches and Baptist and Pentecostal and Presbyterian, all manner of churches. Because God has called all of us, all of us, y'all, to live out that sacrificial, pursuing love that God has for us. And y'all, can you imagine? Can you imagine what the world would be like if we did that? Can you imagine what the world would be if we lived out the words of John 15 and we loved each other that radically and that deeply as Christ loves us? Can you imagine the difference we can make in the world if we did that? Can you imagine the difference we make in our families? Can you imagine the difference we make it? Let's, let's not talk about, let's talk, about, talk about the world. Let's talk about Madison, Ridgeland. Can you imagine the difference we'd make if we lived out these words? And when we live out these words, we point people to the Jesus Christ who came to save the world. The Christ who came to die as a sacrifice for our sins and who will draw all men to himself when they believe. He has chosen us, y'all. You're not here of your own free will. You're not here of your own accord. You're here because God drawed you here. And if he has drawn you here, and if he has called you here, and if he has saved you here, if he has pushed you here, then he's calling you for this purpose. To love each other as he has loved us. To love this world as he loves this world. And to point all persons to Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's our mission, y'all. That's our calling. And that is what this world needs now more than ever. If he loves me, he loves you. If he loves you, that means I got to love you too. And oh, when we love each other in that way, what a difference it makes for the kingdom. So go out there, y'all. Love boldly, extravagantly, passionately. Love each other, even when you don't want to. Love other folks, even we don't want to. Love your enemies, even we don't want to. Because when we live out that gospel, y'all, Christ is glorified. Christ is lifted up. And all persons are drawn to him when we do that. Let us live out the good news of Jesus Christ with each other. Let's pray.